And I think if we can turn to them and if we can really, you know, cultivate a world that supports them, then we're going to cultivate a world that supports all life, including ourselves. So I think bees are here to literally raise our consciousness right now if we let them. Hello, hello. Welcome to Time in the Studio. Thank you so much for dropping in. This is episode 40 and I'm so excited to be here. This is a podcast highlighting the stories of creatives and plant people where we dive into growth, connection, and change. I'm your host, Sarah Marie Miller, and I'm so glad you are here. I'm beginning a new aspect of the podcast where in addition to any interviews, I also showcase listeners or previous guests on the show. And I'm wanting to deepen my commitment to this podcast and deepen my connection to other people and just build a stronger community. And I want to support you. So if you'd like to be featured in the timelight, that's what I'm calling it, it's just a quick shout out on an episode of a podcast and a quick little Instagram post. Uh, you can drop me a line on my Instagram at time in the studio podcast and just send me a little DM letting me know a little bit about you. I'm really excited to support and encourage encourage people who are doing creative things and working with plants. A few folks I'd like to feature in the timeline this week are Stephanie Mahulides, Jillian Fitzmorris, and Carrie Russell, as well as a huge shout out to Jeremy, my first ever patron on Patreon. So thank you so much for that support. For the timelights today. Stephanie Mahulides, she is teaching online chair yoga classes that are especially well suited for the elderly or people with mobility issues. Uh, can be a really nice way to slow down, feel grounded, and move lymph in your body, which is crucial for supporting strong immunity and strengthens the lungs. You can check out her work. It's on Instagram at stephanie.mahulides.yoga, and I will have a link in the show notes for that as well. Uh, there are lots of options. So there's chair yoga on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. and Saturday at 10 a.m. This is all Eastern time in New York. And restorative yoga on Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And mat flow yoga on Sundays at 10, Wednesdays at 8, and Thursdays at noon. I also want to feature Jillian Fitzmorris. She was on the show uh, previously for another episode, and she's hard at work in the studio making some fantastic paintings of horses and mostly silver foil and acrylic on arches. They're really awesome. And you can check out her work on Fitz's Rich or look for her episode and listen to that. It was a really fun chat with her. Uh, and I would also like to feature Carrie Russell of Mountain Moon Medicine. She's back in Colorado and spending time with Pulsatia and Achillea. And she's offering herbal consultations on a sliding scale, which is a very generous offer. She is a phenomenal helper. And especially if you're wanting extra support with your health right now, I highly suggest connecting with her at mountain underscore moon underscore medicine. And hoping to have her back on the show again soon. So that's exciting. 
And for the megastar of the show today, I am beyond thrilled to have on the show Courtney Cosgriff of Honeybee Herbals. She's also offering sliding scale herbal consultations and is super knowledgeable about holistic beekeeping, nutrition, gardening, and herbalism. I feel like she transmutes the messages of the bees and she's just an activist with a heart of gold. So I love hearing about her stories and just... Uh, her experiences and suggestions for plants that you can put in your garden that will not only help you build immunity, but also helps pollinators. So that was really interesting to consider. And a reminder just to please consider supporting your local artists, musicians, healers, farmers, and herbalists and creatives at this time. I know some people are really struggling, some people are not. So if you're able to support creatives and plant people around you. Uh, please enjoy the episode, and when you listen, you can screenshot the episode, share it on social media, and tag me at Time in the Studio Podcast on Instagram. I would love to hear your, any insights that you're taking away. Okay, here we go. Cha cha cha. Oh my gosh. So I am absolutely delighted beyond words to talk to Courtney Cosgriff today on the podcast. She is the creator of Honeybee Herbals. And ever since I've met her, I've just thought of her as the queen bee. She just, she's all about the bees and all about helping to make things flow and to work together. And you're just, you're such an incredible activist and teacher and tender of the bees, tender of gardens, helper of all people around you. And yeah, just, you have such a, deep wealth of knowledge and you express it in such a beautiful clear and humble way that is just blows my mind so thank you so much for being here today Courtney oh my god you're gonna make me cry <laughs> oh. I love you so much oh I love you so much oh I'm, I'm so grateful to just be talking with you this morning and yeah and just for your presence in my life and for this amazing podcast you've created mm. bringing all your herby artsy friends on and <laughs> it's, it's so sweet and it's so amazing and I'm so grateful oh well, thank you for saying that and yes <laughs> I'm also so grateful for for you in my life and just for the magic that you bring to the world and just witnessing everything that you're up to is so deeply inspiring and just makes me want to transform my world and just to help share your message because I feel like you're so, you have a really innovative way of working with bees and working with people and working with the land that is rooted in tradition and just has a deep respect for tending to your surroundings and tending to the spirits and animals around you mm. in just a really profound way. So I'd love to dive in a little bit. Can you just tell us a little bit about your journey, a couple highlights along <laughs> the way? Yeah. Um, so I guess, so, um, I, I grew up in Colorado, um, so I was born and raised in Morrison, um, so we all know where that is, where Red Rocks is, and yeah, I basically, um, you know, when I was first, you know, going to school, graduating from college, and kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, 
in life. Um, I was going kind of more with the environmental science route, um, kind of always wanting to work with the earth and protect the earth. And um, I actually, when I was 18 years old, had two near-death experiences. Um, two, they were both car accidents. And the first one led me to hitchhike through Oregon where I met a beekeeper. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, um, this was in the summer of 2011. Um, I was was driving my dad's truck in Vail and a wasp flew in my eye. And so I got into two pretty intense car accidents um, that summer. And then after that, the bees just kind of kept showing up. It was really interesting. I just kept seeing honeybees everywhere. Um, They had never really been like a prominent totem in my life um, until that time period. And I just slowly listened and started to study with different beekeepers until finding some natural beekeepers that I apprenticed with um, here in Colorado. I apprenticed with a Corwin Bell for five years and still continue to go back to study with him. And so that was my journey with the bees. And it's been wild. (laughs) (laughs) It's um, ever-changing. They're extremely mysterious beings and... You know, I I think I'll be working with them and studying them and being in relationship with them for my whole life. And it's maybe I'll understand even just a small fraction of their existence because they're just so mysterious um, and beautiful. And yeah, so that's uh, a bit of my journey with the bees. And and then in terms of herbalism and plants, man. I think like so many others, a lot of it was um, the plants coming to me in my own healing crisis. And, um, and that was uh, really, really huge. Uh, Being a young woman, I was going through a lot of different health issues, um, primarily in relation to like a birth control I took. And I remember the first time I, you know, drank a cup of raspberry leaf tea um, that I got from the apothecary that was near I was living at the time. And just this like deep feeling of empowerment um, Mm -hmm. that I could, I could heal my body um, with, you know, these medicines from the earth and just how deeply profound that was for me. And yeah. And then also, you know, when I, when I started my first um, apiary and beehive, I of course wanted to grow a garden for them. And so I, I commandeered the back area of my parents' backyard and turned it into a little herb garden, pollinator garden and apiary. And that was, you know, a really direct way of being introduced to the plants. Um, and so in that way, I think the bees kind of brought me to the plants and then, you know, from there began my own journey of working with them and them healing me and really helping me come into um, my truest self. Mm, wow. That is so beautiful. And I love how they can be so uh, harmonious and just help one another. Like I think through planting, you know, certain flowers or plants, it can help the bees to thrive and then the bees help the plants to thrive as well. There's just such a synergistic relationship there. And so nice that you're helping to support both sides of that in a really harmonious way. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty beautiful. Like that symbiotic relationship between bees and plants. And um, just, I, I think of it just being just such an embodiment of pure love. <clears throat> love in its purest form um, to me, is like a bee pollinating a flower. I love that. It was, I loved looking at your, your website. There's like a little video 
in slow motion of a bee in a flower or going into <laughs> a flower. And I was like, oh my God, I love that. Like there's just something so sexy and beautiful about watching the bees pollinate flowers. I'm like, oh my God, the birds and the bees. <laughs> it's some ecstatic beauty bliss. It's mm-hmm. something, it's, it's really, it's just, yeah, it's just, I feel like you see all of creation just embodied in that moment. Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious because when I first met you, you talked about beekeeping and I had, I've always, it's something I've always been interested in and wanted to investigate. And you were the first person who brought to my awareness that commercial beekeeping is actually not very sustainable and that mm-hmm. there are ways to do it that are more sustainable and that are more uh, helpful for the bees. And I would love to know more about that. Like, what are we doing that causes damage and how can we do things differently? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is a really big issue. Um, And I think it's not something, I think when we first were recognizing and colony collapse disorder was really coming into public awareness. Um, it was all about pesticides and it's still pesticides are a major issue. They're Mm. one of the biggest contributing factors, but they're not the only contributing factor. Um, and I think a big thing that doesn't get talked about is the way in which we're working with bees and keeping bees in that commercial paradigm and that dominant paradigm. And, For me, um, you know, I was first studying with beekeepers when I was 18 years old and being a young woman um, was really interesting because that industry is predominantly like older white male dominated. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had to kind of navigate some um, different mentors until really finding someone that I really resonated with and the way that some of my first teachers um, that I, or first beekeepers that I worked with, the way that they would kind of talk about working with the bees, just something within my, like my intuitive voice was just like, that just doesn't feel right. Um, And I remember getting like really discouraged (laughs) Mm -hmm. and just feeling like, man, like I really want to work with the bees and I really want to be a beekeeper, but like nothing is feeling right. And, um, it wasn't until I found like Karen and Corwin with Backyard Hive, who are some beautiful natural beekeepers based in El Dorado Springs, just outside Boulder, that I really found that new way. And I think it's, I mean, it's extremely complicated. I think, um, and I, I did a lot of research on this when I was in university, just kind of looking at how we have built this agricultural system in this certain way. And we have also built, you know, know this system that is dependent on um, commercial pollination by honeybees Mm. so um, really looking at the commercial pollination industry I think is super important um, for a lot of different reasons Um, because you know for example the the almond orchards in California um, where a lot of it over 80 percent of our honeybee colonies here in the United States go to these almond orchards every spring to pollinate them And it's basically like one giant, massive monoculture. Um, Mm. And, you know, there's tons of pesticides and it's just, it's horrendous. Um, A lot of our bees die there. Um, And it's actually really crazy because this summer, 
I uh, was on a road trip uh, for my birthday. Well, it was actually in October this fall. Uh, and I was traveling through California and actually accidentally, <laughs> I believe the bees brought me there, but ended up driving through those orchards. Oh, wow. And um, the minute I got into the area, my heart just like sank. <sighs> I couldn't breathe. Um, I like just started hyperventilating and I just knew that I was just, I just knew I was in a place that was, um, yeah, it just felt very painful in my heart to be there, but I knew that I was supposed to be there and I was able to get outside of my truck and, um, went into the orchards actually and dropped some flowers and just some tears. And, um, for me, that was really big. I think the one thing with my journey with like kind of uncovering the truth of what's happening with the bees and how we can support them is they always send me these like little messages. Um, and that was a big one because I can read and research about it all I want, mm -hmm. but until I'm actually there experiencing it and feeling it, um, it's like a whole new, a whole new level of awareness and understanding of what they're going through. But I think the biggest thing, you know, in that dominant paradigm of beekeeping is just like constant manipulation of natural cycles. And we see that all in nature. We see that in industrial agriculture, um, just not listening to the intelligence of nature and thinking that we know better. And so what that looks like with bees is, you know, constantly manipulating their inner cycle, their natural cycles and rhythms to support mass production and consumerism. And that is either mass production of honey or, you know, this commercial pollination. So, so they're manipulated on countless levels um, from their reproductive cycles to their hive itself, the way the hive is designed. Um, and yeah, and what they're fed, they're fed sugar water as opposed to honey and the environments that they're placed in. And yeah, so there's a ton, ton of factors and I'm really grateful to have learned like more commercial style of beekeeping and then also to have learned natural beekeeping because I think it's important to get as many perspectives as possible. Yeah. Um, but I really do try and work with the bees in a way that honors um, who they truly are and their true nature and, you know, really works to support their natural cycles and rhythms and yeah, I mean, there's a lot I could talk about in that realm. And it's there's so many factors at play. And sometimes it can go over people's head, I think, when I start to get really into the finite details, if you don't really know much about bees, so I won't, mm. I won't do that. But um, yeah, I just think it really comes down to, you know, how we've just manipulated um, their, their natural cycles and rhythms. Yeah, as you were saying that, it just made my eyes well up. Like, it just feels like so such a horrific trauma and just abuse of these magical creatures that are keeping us fed, you know, like looking at the importance of our food systems. Bees are crucial. They are why we're able to eat every day. You know? so, so it's just, it, it breaks my heart that we are, yeah, just doing things so out of alignment with their best interests. And so I love that you, I'm sorry you had to have that experience and it sounds really traumatic, but it also, I love that they do communicate with you on this deeper level to show you things. And I feel like, you know, that story probably helps enrich your passion and your drive towards mm -hmm. activism, towards 
doing more uh, beekeeping consultations towards doing just all of the work that you're doing. It's really profound. Is there, um, I guess, I'm curious, like little things people can do to help change the situation. Is there anything coming up for you for like a suggestion to help change this? Yeah. So I think, um, there's a few things and it's actually one thing I like to kind of talk about too is, and this was a lot of the drive for my projects last summer, um, was focusing not just on honeybees, but native bees too. Um, and I think so honeybees can get kind of like a lot of attention, Mm -hmm. um, because they are so involved in our food production system and because they're primarily managed by humans. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas native bees, I think it's harder to understand really and other native pollinators, um, what they're going through, um, and you know, what their threats are and what their health is so on and so forth. Uh, so I had a really big call last year to support native bees too. And so I really think, you know, to really holistically support not just honeybees, but all of our pollinators, Mm -hmm. we really need to be, um, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, just growing gardens, you know, growing pollinator friendly gardens. Um, I did write a really, I did write a blog, um, on my website, which Sarah will probably link, um, but it's called creating pollinator sanctuaries. And Mm -hmm. I basically kind of step-by-step break down some, um, things that you want to consider when designing a pollinator garden, or even just making your property farm garden more pollinator friendly. So there's some like super specific pointers as well as like tons of plants, um, that I suggest growing that I've noticed, um, have been really great for them over the years. So that's like huge. Um, like just, you know, working to create habitat for them and you can do that, you know, for the native bees, um, we did a project at the girl house with the kids last summer where we built like a native bee hotel. Oh. <laughs> and it was basically, it was basically compo- composed of like individual hexagon bee hotels that the kids put together. And then we put them all together as like one big wall. Um, oh, cool. it was a sweet project. Um, there's some, actually some pictures of it, um, in that blog that I wrote, but that's mm-hmm. a really sweet thing you can do. I was really inspired when I was traveling through Europe, um, a couple summers ago, I kept seeing like insect hotels everywhere mm-hmm. and I thought that was just really sweet. So, um, working to create uh, more like actual habitat for um pollinators is really really lovely and growing for them is super important you know being an advocate being an activist and you know trying to educate i really like community start with your community start with your neighborhood if you can there's some really great movements that have happened in colorado um there's the people pollinators action network which is such an amazing nonprofit um that's just doing such beautiful work um and then there's also like the be safe neighborhood movement that started in Boulder. So one of the things that I think is really awesome is like neighborhoods and communities coming together and deciding to be pollinator friendly. Um, so signing pledges and being like, I'm not going to spray pesticides. I'm not going to use Roundup and you know, I'm going to help to cultivate pollinator habitat. Um, so I think that is like huge. Um, so working with your, with your neighborhood and your community to make that commitment to be pollinator friendly is like such a beautiful thing to do. Um, and we did just, um, there is a bill, um, I am not sure on the exact status of it right now, um, 
that went to the house this year. Um, and I went with a group of kids to the Capitol um, to help them lobby for this bill. And it's um, protect the pollinators bill. Um, mm-hmm. And it basically would give counties in Colorado the right to regulate pesticide usage, particularly those pesticides that have been known to um, harm bees and other pollinators. So I think like working, if you, you know, you can work at that like local um, state government legislative level can be really helpful. Um, Just being aware of like different policies and different bills that do come up that are, you know, maybe helping to support pollinators, how we can, work as um, a collective to get those passed. Um, and then of course, working at local levels with your neighborhood and your your uh, community and yeah, just growing more flowers. And that's like the biggest thing. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's wonderful. And yeah, I will definitely link to that blog post and to that bill if there's uh, people yeah, in Colorado can who can vote on that. I can send you the People Pollinators Action Network um, website too. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then... I'm also thinking about our current time right now. Mm -hmm. We're in the midst of the coronavirus, COVID-19. And I know there are many plants that are good for humans and for the bees. Um, Would you like to name a couple standouts that come to mind? Yeah, I <laughs> talk about <laughs> never. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, whew, gosh, wow. Thank you, plant medicine. But yes. I mean, if there's anything, I know I've been experiencing this on my own level, but you know, I live with two other herbalists and I'm grateful to be surrounded by herbalists. And, um, I think, wow, what a time to be an herbalist. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when this was like all coming, coming out and just this like big, like, um, feeling like very humbled, but also like this extreme call to action. Mm. Um, and to just be like, wow, like now's the time to really like share the medicine to the people, bring the medicine to the people. And, um, yeah, I'm like getting kind of emotional just thinking about how important plant medicine is, um, helping to build resilient communities, Mm -hmm. helping us to connect to, ourselves um, Mm. to help us open our hearts to help us strengthen our own like inner systems and you know help to cultivate resilience within our own body so and to really at the end of the day like dispel fear Um, Mm. I think you know fear is like a big thing right now it's Mm -hmm. rampant you can feel it it. you can feel it and I mean it's justified scary times Mm -hmm. Um, and my heart is truly with everybody I mean I think on some level everyone's experiencing the um, tragic ripples from this whether you we all have loved ones who are immunocompromised or elderly or vulnerable Mm -hmm. Uh, we all know people or even ourselves if it's you you know who are experiencing you know maybe losing a job or loss of income and what that looks like and how scary that is So as a collective, like this is hard Mm -hmm. and, um, 
I'm just very grateful for the plants because I think more than anything, they're there for us. And I would say like a few that pop out um, to me, you know, not only for their, how they help humans, but how they help pollinators and bees, because of course I'm always thinking of that. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, It's hard for me to not talk about red clover. Mm, Um, is my spirit plant so um Mm. it always comes to light the bees also love it um the bee and the clover have a a long relationship um that's very beautiful and uh red clover grows all around the world everywhere um it's nitrogen fixing and helps to um, heal soil it's food for animals, um, like fodder for animals. It's food for pollinators. As a plant medicine, um, the the flower essence is a big one for me. So the flower essence of red clover is really, I think, pertinent to these times right now. Um, the uh, One of the descriptions of it is like kind of helping to be a calm, steady presence in emergency situations, um, helping one, I think, be a leader, helping one embody gentle strength and grace, helping one, you know, not succumb to like mass hysteria or like if you're working in a, like I think of a nurse, all of our nurses right now, all of our first responders who are working in these really intense environments and emergency situations and you know how they can how how one remains calm and grounded and centered within themselves during those experiences and those environments and during that work Mm -hmm. and I think red clover is a big one um Mm -hmm. I think it really helps yeah it just really helps one and kind of embody that like gentle calm like warrior energy um on a, in a, on a bigger plane where you're really helping others and you're helping the planet. And so it's no surprise that that <laughs> <I've been> <laughs> ally for me. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> same so, here. So much of my work is, you know, um, and in my personal life, um, that has, that essence has just, you know, really helped me a lot because I think that tends to embody a lot of my Dharma is doing some of that work and but yeah so red clover is amazing essence I think for a lot of people right now especially people who are having to step up and be leaders in their community um and you know how what that entails and just that the strength um that that plant can help bring someone Mm -hmm. and then on a you know on a medicinal aspect I mean red clover is an amazing plant um it's a nutritive so its blossoms are extremely nourishing and high in minerals um, it's one of our infamous alternative herbs. And so um, if people don't know what alternatives are, I mean, I think they're extremely important herbs, especially in the prevention of illness and just like helping to strengthen the vitality and the vital force um, in that, that what they're basically doing is improving and strengthening the quality of circulating fluid within the body. So that's mm-hmm. your blood, your lymph, your extracellular fluid. Um, and that's going to be really um, extremely helpful for, you know, helping the body become more resilient and helping the immune systems. And so that's a huge one. It also has an affinity for the lungs and is great for like spasmodic coughs and is an old traditional remedy for bronchitis. Um, So red clover is a big one. It's beautiful. And I love the tea, especially Um, it's one of my favorite teas. It's just really light and nourishing and gentle. 
Um, so that's a big one. God, so many plants. Um, uh, yarrow. It's hard to not, not mm-hmm. talk about yarrow. I think, oh, I think yeah. about red clover and yarrow a lot together just cause they're, I just see them as like these, like, just like little warrior plants that like I, when I've traveled, I've seen, you just see them growing everywhere around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you feel like this, when you meet those plants, like there's just such a longstanding relationship that humanity has with these plants. Um, and that life has with these plants, not just humans, but, you know, all life forms. And so yarrow is amazing as well. Pollinators love it. It grows everywhere. Another warrior plant. I think, you know, of course, the essence is really great for protection and boundaries. And um, I think that's very important right now as well with so much chaotic energy. Um all around us all the time and with the fear um just being so rampant how can we really be grounded in ourselves and create those boundaries to help distinguish self from not self um so yarrow is a really beautiful plant for that it's also you know an amazing herb for fevers um so being one of our diaphoretics Mm -hmm. it helps you know increase peripheral circulation can just help the body get over illness quicker um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's in a beautiful plan on so many different levels, what it also does with the blood, helping to support circulation and blood flow within the body. And yeah, that's definitely an important one. As far as, um, some big ones that I've been taking daily that mm-hmm. just feel really right for me. I've been doing a lot of astragalus. Mm, um, nice. Yeah, a lot of astragalus and tea. I think um, that plant has really become a big ally for me this year. It wasn't in herb school. For some reason, I was just like not. Me and astragalus just like didn't meet in herb school. Um, We met met after herb school. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, totally. There's definitely things like, because you focus on, you can only focus on so many things. And that was just like such a deep dive into so many plants. And so there's definitely things that, have surfaced after school that, yeah, I could see how astragalus might make an appearance later Mm. on in different ways. Yeah. It's so great. So yeah, I've been drinking that and like formulas, um, just, you know, to support my immune system. It's an amazing, um, preventative, Mm -hmm. um, for illness and viral infections, just helping to strengthen the immune system at a pretty deep level. Also, is a tonic for the lungs. Um, and just, it just feels like an extremely nourishing plant to me mm-hmm. when I drink it. Um, and just an extremely strengthening plant. So I've been doing a lot of that one and that feels really, really right. Um, licorice has also been a really big ally for me. Um, mm-hmm. and just also feels really right. Um, another one that I was not like as close with in herb school, Um, but that like after like really just, um, really feeling its medicine, especially this winter, I really felt it a lot. Um, I would just drink a lot of like licorice, ginger Mm, tea. Um, I'm a pretty Vata constitution, so I tend to be pretty cold and dry. And so I really, really benefit from those warming, moistening herbs. Um, so licorice is a demulcent, moistening quality, actually anti-inflammatory to the lungs. Um, so I think that's really big, especially living in such a cold and dry place. Um, it also has some antiviral properties. 
Um, so that's been a big one. Gosh, I mean, there's so many. Pleurisy root um, has been coming up is a good one, especially for like those deep-seated um, lung infections and respiratory infections and also just how important of a plant it is for our pollinators. So it's also called milkweed. Um, mm. So that's, you know, um, a big one for our monarch butterflies who um, are deeply, deeply at risk um, and have been for a bit. So um, milkweed is a hard one to not talk about just because of the monarch butterflies and also just, you know, the fact that, you know, it does happen to be such this amazing um, medicine for the lungs and for um, deep lung infections. And it's so beautiful too. I love milkweed. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a good one. So I don't know. I think those, I I could go on and on and on and on and on. (laughs) It's been really amazing to see um, the elders and the herbalist community sharing their herbal wisdom. And I've just Mm. been so grateful for all of the perspectives and um, knowledge coming from the herbalist community on how we tackle this and Mm Um, yeah, it's just, I think there's so much to explore. Um, but those are some of, some of the ones that come up for me right now. Thank you. Yeah. And I just, for some reason, Monard, I just want to like say Monarda's name too. Cause I'm like, Monarda is <laughs> just so gorgeous and so deeply powerful. And yeah, it's just and yeah, and I think it's actually like a great, you know, because we all like love OSHA and OSHA is getting mm-hmm. a lot of attention right now, but mm-hmm. OSHA is also like coming more and more over harvested. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm obviously super passionate about, about how we can educate people on those analogs. And I think Menard is a great one. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, a great expectorant. Um, it has like that kind of like warming quality. Like, I don't know, when I take it, I feel like it just like warms me up. Um, mm-hmm. and circulation and it's just so abundant and beautiful. I have it growing um, in my garden and it's abundant there. And so there's lots of varieties you can grow of it and it just grows like wild here too. Um, mm. I found some very large stands of it and it just feels like an abundant plant. The bees love it. Mm-hmm. Um, the tasty Monarda honey is so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. I'm curious, you mentioned, um, there are some elders that you're noticing that are just, their voices are really powerful right now. Is there anyone top of mind that you want to give a shout out to or resources on that front? Um, Sam Kaufman. Oh, yes. I mean, I think if I were to ever say, pick a hero, he's my hero. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So Sam Kaufman uh, started the Human Path School and um, he's the founder of Herbal Medics. um, And he's just an amazing herbalist, really like just does so much um, for his community and he and Suchel, what they've kind of cultivated in Texas um, with the human past school and with the herbal medics is just like deeply, deeply inspiring and all the clinics that he sets up. So he's, he does a lot of clinics and clinical work for like underserved populations. And um, yeah, just listening to his wisdom because he's on the front lines, you know, and he always has been, that's kind of his style. And I really, I really value that. Um, And so hearing his, um, yeah, his perspective on the situation and herbs that he's working with just because he's really hands-on with the community, you know, running these clinics, like working with the virus. Um, and so it's been really great to hear his 
his perspective on the situation. Yeah. Is that mostly through his website or through Instagram or how are you finding? Um, I would say Facebook as well as his, the website. Mm, Wonderful. Cool. And then I know you're in terms of working with the community. I know you're involved with the front range, front range herbal medics. What does that work look like? And can you tell us a little bit about that organization? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Front Range Herbal Medics is basically a chapter under Herbal Medics. So Herbal Medics is like this larger nonprofit organization that was created by Sam Kaufman and his wife, Sujil. And then um, Front Range Herbal Medics was started um, by a group of fellow herbalists and activists here along the Front Range, um, one of them including myself and um, Kat McKinnon, uh, Johnny, who's going to be on the podcast later with Sarah, um, <laughs> roommate Brian. Um, yeah, just like a really amazing um, group of individuals um, and herbalists mm-hmm. and activists um, that basically, so we created this chapter um, and have been kind of working pretty hard um, in the fall and winter. In the winter, we had our first fundraiser um, and on March 7th, we had our first action day. So basically, you know, our main goal is to do pop-up clinic and shelter services for underserved communities um, in the Denver metro area, as well as Boulder. And um, that's always continuing to expand and everything like that. But on March 7th, actually really crazy, like right, like two days after that was when like shit just hit the fan here in Colorado. Um, So this was right before there was like many confirmed cases in Colorado, but we did our first action day on March 7th. So we set up um, a pop-up shelter and clinic in the heart of Denver um, where we, we gave out like herbal formulas, one of them being an immune formula, a couple healing salves. We had a clothing drive. So we were giving out gear and toiletries and then we had foods. So we were giving out food, fresh cooked food. And, um, yeah, we served about like 50 people that day. Um, wow. and we then went at, after we, so we teamed up with El Centro Humanitario, which is just right, um, down in Denver, basically off of like uh, Park Ave in California. And um, we did a clinic there with Sam, actually, I think it was like a couple of years ago um, where we served the community there. So it was neat to go back um, without Sam as our own chapter um, and to continue that work. And I mean, it was really powerful. And I am just so grateful for that team of individuals and that we were able to get into the city and get people medicine before all this. And we were actually going out to the camps um, and passing out like the the herbal remedies and um, toiletries and just different necessities. And just like really like for me, it was like I, I grew up in Denver in that area. And um, it's just been really hard to see um, how bad the homelessness has gotten and mm-hmm. um, how displaced people are and just yeah. how, yeah, how in like the, you could just feel the need um, was just deeply there um, for just basic, basic necessities. And um, so it was a really powerful day, I think for all of us, um, especially because like right after that, um, everything just has changed. Um, so we're, yes. we're still working together and right now we're working on like building out our apothecary and brainstorming ways how we can continue to do this work, um, for our community. So we're also looking at how we can 
uh, get like care packages and herbal medicine to healthcare workers and first responders mm-hmm. um, because that feels like a really important um, bridge or ac- like to bridge that access feels really important um, yeah. to us as a group. So yeah, we're, um, I'm very grateful for that. And I'm sure Johnny will talk about it too in his podcast, but um, it's a really amazing chapter and anyone can be involved. You don't have to be a trained herbalist at all. Oh, um, cool. We welcome anyone who just wants to, wants to be more involved in their community. Um, it's way more than herbalism. It's, it's a lot of things. And so um, that's something that people can get involved with. Um, we have an Instagram page, it's just Front Range Herbal Medics, or it's FR Herbal Medics. Um, so people can look that up. We have a GoFundMe that we've been running um, that people can also, I can maybe send you the link to that. Um, but yeah, so we are completely volunteer based. So any donations are um, greatly, greatly appreciated as we like work on building our apothecary. Oh, that's so beautiful. And what an incredible gift just to be working together to support the community and yeah, I feel like there's just so much more awareness of, okay, how are we the wealthiest country in the world? And we have so many people that are homeless, that we're not feeding, like just the discrepancy between the rich and the poor and the haves and the have-nots. It's just like so heartbreaking. And I feel like we need to change that. And so I love that you're able to serve the homeless community and also to work with the front people who are on the front lines of this pandemic because looking at what western medicine has to offer it's like you know they have ventilators but they don't really have there's definitely not a holistic perspective of ways to help people and Mm -hmm. things that we could be doing to improve our health you know, just to imagine like, okay, what if people had red clover tea, mm-hmm. to sip, you know, like or, or a red clover syrup or something that was like, um, yeah, just more beneficial. So I love that you're doing that work and that it's open to everyone. Like anyone can step in and offer their services and help yes. out in that. So that's so beautiful. It reminds me of, uh, before we started, you were talking about just the kind of the mission of the bees and how that has fueled your own mission and how they are deeply, they seem to be deeply um, invested in unity, service and interconnection. And I can see your work at play Mm. with those three themes through all of your work and through your website and through your writing. And so, um, yeah, I'd love for you to talk about how those themes, unity, service, and interconnection come through in your writing and how you're serving people and just through your voice in the world. Mm. Yeah, the bees. Wow. Um, yeah, when I when I started to really work with the bees, I feel like I just really started to like just change on a very deep level. Um, mm. And trying to sometimes put it into words is a little hard, but they did definitely inspire me um, in my writing. I, um, I've always loved writing ever since I was a little kid and I was in school. Um, mm. It's definitely 
I think one of my art forms, but they definitely um, brought, brought it out in me um, a lot more when I started to work with them. And yeah, um, there's this quote on my website that really I think embodies a lot of what I feel about the bees and it's just simple. Um, it's when I fell in love with the honeybee, I fell in love with the world. Mm, and yeah. when I started to work with the bees, um, I see them as just like this, like heart of our earth, heart of our biosphere that they truly do like reveal the deep interconnectedness of life and the beauty of life. And yeah, I think when I look inside of a hive, inside those hexagonal cells, and when I taste honey, I, I feel like I'm tasting the universe. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh my God. Everything, everything, all of the forces of nature, um, I think are embodied in the hive if that makes sense. I think yes. from the cosmos to the solar cycles, to the lunar cycles, to, you know, like the, just all, everything um, is just kind of, it's, it's like alchemy. The hive is like this embodiment of alchemy um, that is coming into play. And, you know, it's also, it's alchemy and it's service, you know, because the, the hive is, you know, it's not a box of insects. It's, it's a soup, it's an organism. It's a super mm. organism. Um, mm. but it's composed of, you know, 50,000 or so bees. Um, most of those being worker bees who are the female bees and they're like, they live up to their name. They're worker bees. Mm. They live about two to three weeks. And in that time period, they are in constant go mode. Um, wow. So whether that's, you know, in their early stages, they're starting out within the hive, caring for the young, building comb, um, and then, of course, transitioning out into the world and becoming foragers, collecting pollen and nectar and water and propolis and coming back and bringing that into the hive to um, create honey and all the, the medicine and nourishment that they need. And um, it is just like this beautiful... Um, symbol of service, um, you know, and just how much work goes into it. Like bees, I think, uh, you know, they have to visit one bee must visit like, or the bees must visit like 2 million flowers to create like one pound of honey. So it's like, they're so, um, God, like they just work so hard. Um, and what's so beautiful is like, like just how much like their work and their service, like literally facilitates like all life. Um, and I just think I've just always just found that like so beautiful and just like, um, yeah, like, and how like the individuality, like individuality is, individuality is all of course, super important, but within the hive, um, that doesn't really exist. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it is like just like this very collective force, um, where each part is working for the betterment of the whole. And I think it's just like, they're just so humble. Like they just totally embody like that humility and that service and, you know, them being my greatest guides. Like I really do try and embody those principles and not perfect and human, but, um, I, I, am so grateful that they're always reminding me, um, of that. So beautiful. Yeah. I love just that you're able to connect to your purpose in such a deep way and through seeing those bees with such a strong purpose. I feel like purpose is kind of, it's feeling 
really up right now for a lot of people because, you know, suddenly so many people don't have jobs. It's like over 17 million people filed for unemployment. It's like suddenly, you know, if people were working and that was their sense of purpose, it's like the rug is pulled out from under them. And so it's like, what, how do you find your sense of purpose on this planet? Just witnessing the bees, like putting in so much effort to like make sure everything is harmonious and working together. And it's just, yeah, it's so powerful to think of having that drive and working together to make things happen harmoniously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I definitely feel, um, and a lot of my work, uh, with bees, I'm like a huge history nerd and Mm. lover of myth. And so Mm. I study, a lot of the ancient traditions of working with bees um, from all around the world. Um, When I was 19, I traveled to Egypt on my own um, and they were a big civilization that like deeply worshiped and revered the honeybee. Um, Same with like ancient Greece. And so I think there's like, there's so um, like, I think bees have been involved in the uplifting and raising of human consciousness for a very, very long time. Mm. And I think ancient peoples were a lot more aware of that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we're at a, we're at a place right now in our evolution um, where it's really important that we, you know, there's this great quote um, by Lane Redmond, um, who was an amazing writer and drummer and mystic. And she says, in revisioning the past, we envision the future. Um, and that one has always sat with me in the way of looking, you know, there's a lot of bad things from our past, but when we go back a little bit farther, there's also a lot of beauty and wisdom mm-hmm. um, from a lot of ancient cultures and civilizations. And so I think it's, it's really valuable to look back um, to those messages and to that wisdom in these times. And I think, yeah, I believe if we can listen to the bees right now, um, that can be a huge catalyst for the change that's needed in our world. I think, you know, the, the bees really, they're like the, they're the cannery in the coal mine. Um, mm. They're showing us what we need to see. And they're, if they're, they really help to create the guidelines for what's needed in our environment and our world. And I think if we can turn to them and if we can really, you know, cultivate a world that supports them, then we're going to cultivate a world that supports all life, including ourselves. So I think bees mm. are here to literally raise our consciousness right now if we let them. Oh my gosh, that gives me chills all over. I love that. (laughs) I'm wondering if there's things that come to mind for doing that. I mean, obviously, keeping gardens, growing things that help support the bees, maybe choosing to not eat almonds every day, trying to eat more organically when possible. And how can we honor the bees like is there a way that we can give back to them I think um I've talked about a lot of those ways in terms of like those kind of direct actions Mm -hmm. um you know growing the gardens you know being an activist being a voice for them of course yeah being I don't consume almonds anymore um Mm -hmm. just because of 
you know, the almond orchards in California. And that's, I think it's like over 80% of our almonds are grown there. So, um, Mm -hmm. it just, it's really hard to, so yeah, I mean, there's like, of course those little things, but I think, um, something that's coming up for me, like right now is just like connecting to the bees. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe the bees, you know, like many powerful animal totems on this planet, like, they're powerful and they're strong and they're wise. And, um, I think, yeah, like just really working to cultivate a relationship with them and with all life with, I think, you know, relationship is so important, um, in how we connect with the world around us and how we connect to our land that we're living on. And, um, -hmm. I think, yeah, like I would say, going outside, you know, this spring and summer when everything's in bloom and just like sitting in the flowers and sitting in the bees, sitting with the bees, hearing their buzz, you know, not just the honeybees, all the, all the bees, all the native bees. There's so many beautiful ones and just watching them. Um, and they will take you into one of the most, you know, beautiful meditative places that, that stillness, um, that's just so beautiful. And I think so, just taking the time to connect to them um, and receive their messages. And in order to receive their messages, we have to be in that stillness and that space. Um, So that I would say that, you know, it doesn't need to be some crazy list of all these tasks and services and things that you do. I think it can be as simple as just like opening up your field of awareness to them. Mm, that's so beautiful I love that mm-hmm. it makes me think of my conversation with Roxanne a couple days ago and she just talked about oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was so wonderful chatting with her but we just talked yeah. about the power of saying thank you like waking up and like looking mm-hmm. around your room and just like saying thank you to your surroundings like say thank you like it just makes me want to like every time I have a, a little bite of honey or I mm. even just thinking of bees, just saying, thank you bees, like just having gratitude for them and just sending out that little wave of thankfulness and appreciation. Mm. It's like, they can feel that like even, yeah, even just having gratitude, I think can change things Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love that idea of just sitting with them, being able to like listen to their messages. And I also, as you were talking, I thought about um, in yoga, sometimes I would go to this Kundalini class and we would do this just be breath where you just, um, <laughs> yeah, you just like hum like the bee, like you just, yes. <laughs> I was going to actually talk about it. It's so funny. Oh, really? that, oh, yeah. Cool. It's totally like in my, in the back of my head. Yeah. Brahmari is amazing. And what's super cool um, is so in old um, texts from India, um, there's a lot of really beautiful uh, mythology around the bee. Mm. And so the heart chakra, so anahat, actually translates to the unstruck sound. Mm-hmm. And that was associated with the buzzing of bees. Uh-huh. Um, so in old um, Vedic and uh, texts from India, they would uh, associate the buzzing of bees to the celestial hum of creation. 
Oh, and it, um, that's where wow. like Om comes from. And for me, yeah, I've been practicing yoga for nearly like 10 years now. And um, that feeling of really connecting to the Anahat um, and to the heart chakra, um, yeah, has, is you feel like this kind of like unstruck presence um, mm. that no matter what is going on in the world around you, like you are calm and steady. And, uh, but yeah, the Brahmari, I think really helps to connect one, um, to that, that place and to the bees. And I think it's also so beautiful when you can do it in a room full of people. Cause then you're like, mm-hmm. all just like you're high, <laughs> you know, like, you're, <laughs> yeah. it's like, I, I think if more humans could just like sit in a room together, it <laughs> would be in a way different place. <laughs> So I love that. Maybe do oh, a little wonderful. mackle dance, you know, after we're done buzzing. Like, yeah. Oh, you know, like what, what, what magic could be cultivated from those spaces, man. Oh, wow. That is really, I love that idea. And it makes me think of um, something Roxanne just started doing is a power circle. So she's just meeting, having like a, a zoo I think it's a zoom meeting every week on Tuesdays but I'm thinking like it could be cool just to like yeah have a little while we're separated like still be able to meet online in some way and just mm-hmm. buzz and <laughs> go I would in. love like Romery <laughs> meet up yeah like even just like 10 minutes or whatever. Just like, uh-huh. oh, that's an interesting, yeah, that just came to me. And anyway, interesting. Um, I'm wondering, so I love this idea of learning more about the mythology of the bees. Are there any uh, books or podcasts or resources that you've been looking to recently that you could suggest to a listener? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I or mean- me. <laughs> been such a journey with that aspect wow I think a lot of it for me has been um because a lot of history is like written in that kind of patriarchal mindset Mm -hmm. so I felt like um unearthing a lot of the traditions um that I've discovered around working with Bibi took a lot of time but I would say like some of the ones that like really opened it up for me um, the shamanic way of the bee is a big one by Simon Jackson. Yes. Um, and I remember that's when I first read about the Melissa. And so the Melissa um, is the main tradition that I work with mm-hmm. um, around the honeybee. And that comes from um, Minoan times. So pre-ancient Greece, um, there was a series of temples um, around that area and around the Mediterranean Um that were ran by women and priestesses and they were deeply centered around the honeybee. So the Melissa actually translates to honeybee. Um, mm. and a lot of them served Artemis. And so that's kind of the tr- tradition that I'm like, I would say most woven into. Wow. Um, and Beautiful. yeah, so, yeah, that's a big one. I actually have been a part of the college of the Melissa, um, which is based in Ashland, Oregon for two years. So people can look that up. It's just the college of the Melissa.com. Um, and it's a center for sacred beekeeping and we're just a small collective of mostly women, a couple men, um, that study these ancient traditions and practices of working with the bee. And 
a lot of it, you know, I think more so than anything is like, you can read all the books and everything that you want, but so much of it is about, um, taking that, that information and that knowledge, but using it to cultivate your own relationship and your own rituals Mm -hmm. and your own experiences of working with the bees. Um, so that's been a big thing for me. Um, so that's a beautiful resource. Um, I mean, there's so many different books out there, the sacred bee. Um, I think I just think it's literally just called the sacred bee. That one's like more just like packed with like a ton of information. Um, if you really just like, kind of like want like all of the historical anthropological like stuff, um, about the relationship between honeybees and humans. Um, yeah, those are some big ones. I mean, I'm actually really hoping to, I was so, supposed to teach a few classes um this summer one of them at the good medicine confluence um Mm -hmm. that was going to be all about like the myth and the bee um and really going into that but um, of course that conference isn't happening but um i'm still helping to facilitate a uh honeybee medicine weekend on summer solstice at elderberries um, with another beekeeper sebastian who's the beekeeper at elderberries and then lisa ganora um and so i'll be leading on friday evening like a kind of like exploration into that myth and lore um and the spiritual traditions around working with the bee um because it's vast i mean it's in so many different cultures around the world and there's um there's just such a wisdom there and yeah those are some books that i would recommend and of course the college of the melissa is a great resource um but yeah i think yeah the biggest theme is just cultivating a lot of your own relationship uh with them is big Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all those resources. You are offering really beautiful wellness consultations and beekeeping consultations. I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about what that looks like. And yeah, anything else that's coming up for you? Mm, Yeah. So um, people can go to my website. It's just uh, honeybeeherbals.co. So that's .co. And if you go to the services tab, you can see um, the different services I offer. So um, those main ones being wellness consultations and then beekeeping consultations, like many others have adjusted because of uh, COVID. So I am um, doing like mostly over the phone and Zoom uh, mm-hmm. for the wellness consultations. Mm-hmm. And I am offering like acute consults on sliding scales. You can read about that on my website. You know, I was work. I've been working at Alpine Botanicals, um, for almost two years now and we cl- had to close our brick and mortar. Um, I think I just was feeling as alongside my other, you know, fellow herbalists, just like that, like just missing being that support for my community. Um, a couple of us are actually offering consults through Alpine Botanicals as well. Me and Brian Greenan and Heather Saba, who are fellow amazing clinical herbalists. So you can check that out with Alpine Botanicals too. Okay. Um, but these are all incredibly affordable um, and we all have access to amazing medicinal herbs. Some of those grown biodynamically by Kate at Alpine. So like there is a beautiful collective of medicine makers and herbalists um, to tap into right now. And it's unbelievably important um, that we be using plant medicine. And I think it's also really important that we be turning to our herbalists and to our plant people um, because I think people are kind of frantically not knowing what to do. And so they're doing a ton of things and it's like really, I think um, it's good to help people kind of like ground and really figure out what they need. And 
Um, so yeah, so I am super happy to be that resource for my community right now. It feels really important. Um, and then as far as the beekeeping consults, I'm definitely super excited and looking to do a lot more of those. Um, as I know so many people are really excited to be focusing on growing food and medicine this year. And some people, you know, kind of expanding their farms and, whatever that looks like. And those um, are also on my website and you can take a look. And I do like to go to people's property if possible. Um, I, don't, I mean, of course, we're being mindful of social distancing and practicing mm-hmm. the right practices, but um, it is really nice to like go to people's properties and helping them work the hives um, that they're either tending or helping to look at their property and help them figure out how they would set up bees and what that looks like. So yeah, I'm so happy to provide either of those resources. I am also working on continuing to build um, my own apothecary and product line. So you can check that out on my website as well. I am working on processing a ton of honey and propolis um, to have honey and bee and plant medicine for my community um, this coming season. So, Oh, wonderful. Yes, that's something that I've always... I'm like, I just want to buy honey only from you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, a I, lot I of work. <laughs> And a lot of love yes. that goes into it. Honey, yeah, I, I believe Yeah, that. I would say because, I'm, because I like um, the way I keep bees is definitely not set up for honey production or mass production. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't always get a ton of honey and the honey that I do get, it takes a decent amount of time and effort to process it. Um, I love that messy process, but yeah, it's definitely, it gives, gives me a whole new appreciation for that substance. And I hope that anyone eats my honey also like feels that because I think honey is such a sacred substance, especially when you're eating honey from where you live, you're really eating. Like I think of it as like a sacred reflection of that land. Mm, Beautiful. Wow. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Well, such a treat to chat with you. And thank (laughs) you so much for sharing so much deep, incredible wisdom and so many resources and suggestions. And I'm so glad that you're doing the work that you're doing and putting yourself out there in such a beautiful, powerful way. And yeah, I just want to thank you for your time. And yeah, I'll be sure to have lots of links in the show notes for everything that we discussed. Mm, thank you so much for having me. Yay. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'm excited to see what people plant in their gardens. Please feel free to update me with any any happenings in your studio or in your garden or in your apothecary. And if you'd like to connect with Courtney, please do so on Instagram at honeybeeherbals. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Time in the Studio Podcast. And if you enjoy the show and are in a secure place financially, please consider supporting the show on Patreon at Time in the Studio. And I know many people are feeling the pinch of the current corona pandemic financially, if that's you, but you'd like to do something to support the show, uh, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference. And if you leave a review, please feel free to include your website or Instagram handle if you'd like to bring more awareness to your work as well. I want to support you. Thank you so much for being here and please take care. Lots of love and light to you all. Toodles.